0: Amen. Amen. Thank you guys. You got a Bible? Say yes. Psalm 119 in your Bible this morning. As you're opening up your Bibles today, I want to uh, put a couple of things on your mind as we start. I uh, need you to know this morning that you and I as followers of Jesus are going to face trials. They're going to come in our life. Uh, they're always touching us. But here's something unique. All right, listen closely. When the trials are the heaviest, that's when the temptations are the loudest. When the trials are the heaviest, that's when the temptations are the loudest. I want you to do me a favor, okay? I want you to think about uh, the most difficult trial that you have faced in your life before. Think about that. Put it in your mind. It may be a verbal attack that you underwent. Somebody said something about you that wasn't true. Or maybe they started a rumor about you and it really just attacked you. Or maybe there's physical misery that you're undergoing and that becomes a trial in your life. So think about that great trial. Everybody got the greatest trial in their mind right now? I'm asking you a question. You got it in your mind there? All right, now let me ask you, were you not tempted to think God didn't care about you? When you face that trial, were you not tempted to maybe turn away from what the Lord has to say in his word? Maybe the enemy began to whisper into your ear, God doesn't care about you. Why don't you go this way? And there's even an enticement sometimes when we are in the midst of a great heavy trial and the temptations are extremely loud, we're enticed to actually go back to sin. We're encouraged to come back over and maybe pick up something that we have put down before. See, when the trials are most heavy, the temptations are most loud. Now here's the reality. When you and I face a trial, we really respond to it in one of two ways. One, we draw nearer to the Lord. Or two, we turn away from the Lord. if you're a genuine follower of the Lord Jesus Christ when you turn away and begin to walk your own path uh, God won't let you get too far down the road he will come get you he is your father he disciplines those that he loves Hebrews chapter 12 teaches us that but whenever you face a trial and I face a trial it's really an opportunity for us to draw nearer to the Lord like never before once you think about it like this not long ago I was actually walking up the stairs in our home with Gavin next to me and it was whenever he was much smaller but we were walking up leaving the uh, light of the living room walking towards his bedroom where it was extremely dark and this uh, illustration came to me again last Wednesday so I've used it more than once if you've heard it before pretend like it's the first time but as we walked up the stairs i never forget the closer we got into the dark uh, the, the, he would reach up and grab my hand and Then as we got even further into the darkness and the light of the living room began to fade away, he would squeeze my hand with every single fiber of his being. Now if you were on the outside looking in, you would have said, that must be that little guy's dad. See, whenever you and I face a trial, and it seems like it is getting extremely dark, the trial is heavy, the temptations are loud, what you and I need to do is grab hold of the finger of God and squeeze tighter than we've ever squeezed before. And then those who are looking into our lives will actually say they, they must have someone on their side. Uh, maybe they've got a father out there who's helping them. So all of us have a word from the word this morning. Because every single one of us are going to face trials. And today we're going to learn how the psalmist in the midst of his trial was tempted. And how he prayed and how he responded we're gonna see that together y'all ready for it say yes so Psalm 119 stand with me and out of God's Word this morning if you will beginning in verse 121 if you're a guest of ours welcome we're going verse by verse through this longest chapter in the Bible notice the words of the psalmist 121 he says I've done justice and righteousness do not leave me to my oppressors be surety for your servant for good do not let the arrogant oppress me my eyes fail with longing for your salvation And for your righteous word deal with your servant according to your loving kindness and teach me your statutes i am your servant give me understanding that i may know your testimonies it's time for the lord to act for they have broken your law therefore i love your commandments above gold yes above fine gold therefore i esteem right all your precepts concerning everything i hate every false way verse 129 Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul observes them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. I opened my mouth wide and panted, for I long for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me after your manner with those who love your name. Establish my footsteps in your word, and do not let iniquity have dominion over me. Redeem me from the oppression of man, that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant. Teach me your statutes. My eyes shed streams of water because they do not keep your law. Righteous are you, O Lord, and upright are your judgments. You have commanded your testimonies in righteousness and exceeding faithfulness. My zeal has consumed me because my adversaries have forgotten your words. Your word is very pure, therefore your servant loves it. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your law is truth trouble and anguish have come upon me yet your commandments are my delight your testimonies are righteous forever give me understanding that i may live let's bow together father we thank you for these three stanzas here in psalm 119 and god we want to hear from you today i know in a crowd this size just as the other two services that there are individuals present today who are facing great trials and temptations have come maybe some of the temptations that we just went over a few moments ago they are experiencing themselves today so I would ask in the name of Jesus that you would give them a word today that would grant direction and grace for the next step that they need to take for those who are under the heaviest of trials shore them up by the power of your word and the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ help us grow in the knowledge of who you are and thank you for this opportunity today once again to deliver the word and it's in Christ's name that we pray and everybody said amen so you can be seated so when trials are the heaviest temptations are the loudest how do you pray when you are tempted how do you really seek after the Lord Uh, today we find the psalmist beginning in Psalm 121 really praying and seeking after the Lord but it's pretty unique he's got three things that he's gonna teach us today about how to respond when we are tempted in the midst of our trial So let me give you the very first one. I just kind of stated these out as if they were prayers directly from the psalmist. This is how he's praying. The first prayer is, Lord, I need to see your loyalty. Lord, I need to see your loyalty. Now, this is an interesting statement, right? Before I wrote it down so nice and neat, I actually had it jotted down on my yellow pad. Show me your loyalty. Prove that you love me. Now, that's a pretty strong statement from an individual to God. Could you imagine you looking up to heaven saying, God, prove you love me. But really, that's what he's getting at here in this particular psalm. In fact, he's not only getting at the fact that he wants God to prove that he loves him, but he also begins to build a case as to why God should show his loyalty. So look at this with you, if you will, verse 121. The Bible says, the psalmist writing, I have done justice and righteousness. The psalmist here is literally saying, I've worked hard at being and doing exactly what is fair and right. He's elevating before the Lord God himself his own faithfulness, his own faithfulness to the standards of the Lord. Then verse 127 and 128, the Bible says, therefore, I love your commandments above gold. Yes, fine gold. Therefore, I esteem right all your precepts concerning everything that I hate, every false way. So here again, the psalmist is elevating his loyalty to the Lord's commandments. He's actually saying that he desires the word of the Lord more than gold. He also calls God's word straight on every matter and he hates every crooked way. So it's almost as if the psalmist is trying to remind the Lord that he's seeking to be faithful to him. So it's like he's looking to the Lord and saying, Lord, I'm in the midst of this great trial. The temptations are extremely loud. Lord, I'm seeking to do the right thing. I need you to do something. Y'all ever prayed like this? As we continue to do an exposition of that particular stanza what we'll see are just a few phrases that show us how he prays here here goes a phrase he says Lord don't abandon me don't abandon me look with me if you will the second half of verse 121 he says do not leave me to my oppressors so this is the psalmist telling the Lord Lord don't turn your back on me don't allow these enemies to oppress me That's pretty interesting the word oppressors really Uh, Exemplifies an individual who is seeking to exploit you or a group of individuals who are seeking to exploit you You can be exploited socially, you can be exploited financially, you can even be exploited politically But here the psalmist most likely is being exploited socially Those are individuals creating lies about his life So he basically says, Lord, don't allow these people to use me for their own personal selfish gain I'm doing the right thing God I do not want you to abandon me then he goes a step further listen to this it's as if he's saying to the Lord take responsibility for me that's a pretty strong statement don't you agree look at verse 122 in your Bible the scripture says be surety for your servant for good do not let the arrogant oppress me now the word surety speaks of taking responsibility for someone it's the same idea as a modern-day cosigner for those of you who may be in the banking industry Uh, You know what a cosigner is. If a person shows up into the bank and they want a loan and they can't afford it, they will actually get someone to cosign with them. Uh, That means that if that individual cannot pay the bill, then the cosigner will take the responsibility. And that's really what the psalmist is praying. He's saying, Lord, I need you to be like a cosigner for me. Take surety over your servant. I need you to show up and take responsibility for me here again the psalmist feels all alone he's discouraged depressed downtrodden oppressed He's calling out to God saying Lord don't abandon me Lord please take responsibility for me and then in verse twenty twenty three, he says I can't keep my eyes open any longer waiting for you to save me and to speak to me so here this is salvation not necessarily for heaven this is salvation from the actual oppression so he's in the midst of that great turmoil, and he's like, Lord, I can't even keep my eyes open much longer looking for you to take me out of this situation. And many of us pray in the same way, manner, don't we? Take responsibility for me. Get me out of this. That's his prayer. And then check this out. It's almost as if he's saying, Lord, work with me here. Work with me. You ever said that to somebody before? It's like, you got to work with me on this now. It's almost like that's what the psalmist is saying. Look at verse 124. He says, deal with your servant according to your loving kindness and teach me your statutes. The word loving kindness speaks of the loyal love of the Lord. So that's where the idea of loyalty actually comes from. He's calling out for the loyal love of God to show up in his life. He's saying, you see what's going on around me. I'm seeking to live right in line with your word, but these issues are closing in on me. My enemies are looking stronger every single day. And right about now, they look stronger than ever. And I need you to work with me. I need you to show me your loyal love. And then he says to the Lord, something else, it's as if he's saying, Lord, it's time for you to do something. I get nervous just saying that out loud. Y'all all right with that? Lord, it's time for you to do something. But notice 125 and 126 in your Bibles with you, if you will. Bible says I am your servant give me understanding that I may know your testimonies it's time for the Lord to act you will see that there it's time for the Lord to act It's time for you to act Lord they've broken your law so the psalmist is acknowledging the fact that he's under the divine authority of the Lord he's therefore asking the Lord to make it plain to him what he's supposed to be doing one commentator noted the psalmist was inviting the Lord to defend his reputation It's almost like the psalmist just is frustrated here in the text. And he's like, all right, Lord, you've got to do something now. All of this mess has gone too far. They aren't just attacking me. They're completely violating your law. They can't keep getting away with this. Now, when I read Psalm 119, verses 121 through 28 and begin to study it, I'm overwhelmed by the boldness of the psalmist to go before the Lord and almost take the position of authority and tell the Lord what to do, which seems very strange. But there is a transparency here that we can be encouraged by, that no matter what trial you're facing, what temptation you're facing, God knows exactly how you feel, what you are experiencing, and you are encouraged by the word of the Lord this morning to go before God in total transparency, opening up your heart, opening up your soul, sharing exactly what's going on inside of you. He is bold, but I want you to listen to this. So this is wild. Listen to the preacher. Eyeball to eyeball. Y'all listening to say yes? He is bold, but the New Testament encourages you and I to be even bolder. They say, well, wait a minute, bolder? Yeah, yeah, here's the deal. Whenever we read Psalm 129, we've got to remember that it is in the overall context of the Old Testament. So when the psalmist is pinning these particular words, he is actually living pre the cross they are looking for a messiah to come but you and I are living post the cross we have seen the messiah come we have noted that he died on the cross for our sin was buried and resurrected and now we are walking with him in newness of life so we are living on another side the psalmist in Psalm 19 is saying Lord I'm doing the right thing here look at my righteousness you've got to help me here's what I want you to see all right this is wild the Bible teaches us in the book of Romans that at the moment we place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ God the Father actually imputes or he makes a spiritual deposit into our bank account of his son's perfect righteousness. So this morning, if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, God sees you as absolutely pure. Not because of what you have done or what you've not done, but because he has credited to your life the righteousness of Jesus. Now the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, and listen closely, we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Who although was tempted, what are we talking about here? We're talking about temptation. Although he was tempted in all ways as we are, yet he is without sin. Check this out though. Therefore, since we have this great high priest, who knows what we are going through, therefore, Hebrews chapter 4 says it like this, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. Not based on our righteousness, but based upon the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. So we come before the throne of God with all transparency, asking God to work in whatever situation we find ourselves in. And God faithfully comes through as we pray. God show your love God you've displayed the most unbelievable picture of love on the cross at Calvary when Jesus died there for me you displayed towards me an unbelievable expression of love when your son was buried in a borrowed tomb and got up on the third day and what love you displayed towards me when you credited to my spiritual bank account the righteousness of your son I am undeserving it is by grace that I have been saved that uh, none of my own works lest I would boast and brag on who I am but God you graciously placed all of this in me now I'm here on the earth as a child of yours facing a great heavy trial facing a very loud temptation and God I'm not coming saying I've got it going on so you should come through I want to pray and ask you to come through for me because You have already expressed the grandest type of love. I know you can give me loyal love now. God wants to give that. God wants you to experience that. When you face those trials, when you face those temptations, pray this way Lord, be loyal. Let me see your loyalty. We give you the second statement here when you face the heaviest trials and the loudest temptations. We pray, Lord, I need you to keep me free. I need you to keep me free. And what does he want to be free from? Well, in short, he wants to be free from sin. He's obviously speaking about a desire to be free from those who are oppressing him. But he also introduces the idea of sin in this text of Scripture. So listen closely. Look at verse 133, if you will. I love this. He says, establish my footsteps in your word and do not let any iniquity have dominion over me now check this out the first phrase establish my footsteps in your word now I wore a sweater this morning and everybody was calling me Mr. Rogers so I'm gonna take my shoes off now because that's what Rogers does too y'all all right? but here's the idea the psalmist is saying may you allow people to look at my life my pathway Allow people to look at how they should walk with you, and whenever they look on that trail, Lord, I pray they would see my footprints there. That should be the prayer of every single father in the room, every single mother in the room, every single spouse in the room. God, when my wife looks, when my sons look, when my daughters look at a pathway of what it looks like to follow you, I pray they see my footprints. When people look at the path of God, how to walk with him, do they see your footprint? He says, establish my steps in your way. He says, let no iniquity have dominion over me. This is a massive concept, so please listen closely. It's the same picture here. If you can walk with me. It's like the psalmist is saying, all right, Lord, I, I'm living for you. I'm walking in your commandments. My footprints are in your way. If anybody looked down, they'd see my footprints. But there's some sin out there enticing me to leave this path and actually take the reins of something else and go off of the path. The enemy's always encouraging you to doubt God, always encouraging you to turn from the Lord, always encouraging you to fulfill the desires of your flesh and, he's always encouraging to step off the path of God. And that's what often happens when a trial is hardest and heaviest and the temptations are loudest. Sometimes people will let go of the reins of Scripture and they will grab the reins of some sin and they will saddle up on that sin and that sin will carry them away from where God wants them to be. I'm trying to warn some of you this morning. You you are sitting in a chair in church without any doubt whatsoever, but could it be that you came in and you are saddled up with sin? You're not seeing the footprints of your life in the ways of the Lord. If anyone were to investigate what it looks like to follow the Lord, they don't see your footprints. They, They look at your life and you are saddled up with evil picture here Paul the Apostle tells us in Romans chapter 6 very plainly and straightforward do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies whereby you obey its evil desires and its lust Paul the Apostle actually personifies sin so it's almost like he's looking at sin as a person and saying don't let sin tell you what to do but instead submit your body to the righteousness of the Lord as, listen to this, as weaponry for spiritual warfare. It's true, isn't it? Everybody in the room this morning, you're either saddled up with the Word of God or you are saddled up with sin in your life. And if you're riding sin today, what must you do? The Bible says, repent. And I'll shoot it to you like Paul the Apostle does. Ultimately, says, mortify the flesh. So it's the idea if I could have sin up here in front of me today, it's almost as if I would take the word of God, which is the sword of the Holy Spirit, and look at the sin, and in repentance before God, take the sword and cut off his head. Sin without a head cannot tell you what to do any longer. The psalmist is saying, Lord, I need to be kept free from this. I'm in this heavy trial. I'm in this phenomenal temptation. I need to be kept free. So help me, help me, help me. Verse 134, redeem me from the oppression of man that I may keep your precepts. Redeem is paying the price for someone's freedom. He's asking the Lord for that. Pay the price so that I can be free from the brutality of these who are evil. 136, my eyes shed streams of water because they do not keep your law The psalmist is brokenhearted over the great evil that has consumed those who are around him. His eyes are like a rushing river. He wants to remain free, but he sheds great tears for those who are under the authority of their own sin. He desires to be kept free. And I will say as we read the psalmist's words this morning that it is extremely relevant in our particular time. You and I are living in a culture in which evil is running rampant we no longer are living in a post-christian society you and i are actually on the very brinks of an anti-christian society so we live in a culture where media via television as well as internet with liberal point of view seek to disregard the word of the lord and at the same time make christians out to be bigots who are living in some kind of stone Age mindset and there is this massive push towards anti-christianity and you and I are living in the midst of it and could it be the very trial that you're undergoing down the temptations that you are facing at the current moment is God's way of preparing you for what lies ahead in the future for us? there's greater persecution happening throughout the globe than ever recorded in history against followers of Jesus Christ And that which is only across the ocean at the current moment will soon come upon the very shores of the US and if we have a grand difficulty of remaining faithful to the Lord Whenever we are tempted or a grand difficulty of remaining faithful to the Lord, when a little persecution comes our way by way of name-calling, we are going to be in one royal mess when persecution really comes. We must, like the psalmist, have this inward desire to actually live free. Free. May my footsteps be seen In your past, may I no longer be ruled by the dominion of sin. I want to be free from that, walking with you, Lord. Every time I say walking with the Lord, I think of Enoch in the Old Testament. Enoch walked with the Lord and was not, the Bible says. Like all of a sudden, he's just gone, right? Some uh, preacher one time said that the Lord just looked at Enoch and said, we're closer to my house than yours, why don't we just go to mine? I wonder if the Lord will say that to you we're closer to my house than yours what keeps us free two things number one his word does 129 the Bible says your testimonies are wonderful therefore my soul observes them God's words admirable and the soul of the psalmist is keeping watch over them verse 130 the unfolding of your words gives light It gives understanding to the simple. I love this one thing, man. The declaration of your word, he is saying, shines forth understanding even for those who are young. And then verse 131, what a picture here. I opened my mouth wide and panted, for I longed for your commandments. So here he is, panting for God to speak words to him. It is this idea of desperation. Many of you... Uh, Probably have experienced this before where you've worked out in the yard a long time I know I've done this before and gotten extremely hot and sweaty and nasty and you know You're out there cutting grass and uh, doing whatever you get all messed up You know you got grass all over you because you've been using the weed whacker trimmer And then you really want to go inside because you're thirsty man, you can't hardly breathe you're panting But your wife won't let you Come inside this happened to me on one occasion, and I was extremely thirsty. So I had this bright idea: what I would do is actually just find the spigot on the outside of the house. Problem is, they don't make them for six foot four. Y'all listening? <laughs> so I get down as low as I can, and again, I man, I, I don't know how to tell you, I was thirsty, except to say I was real thirsty. And then I just turned it on and just let it flood my mouth. Just I'm just laid on the concrete, with my mouth open, and the spigot pouring in. Now, if you drive by the house and see me doing that, and you got some tea, you better stop. (laughs) The psalmist is saying, "Lord, the the trial's heavy, the temptations are loud." But here's where he goes: Don't abandon me. I need you to work with me here. I got you to. You think you got to come through? Show me, show all these people too that you love me, Lord. Keep me free. Temptation so heavy. Keep me free. Would you? Would you just give me a word? Check it out. Check it out. It's like he's getting underneath the spigot of the Word of the Lord. Right here he is. He's getting under. There. God, hey, just speak to me. I'm panting here for the Word. What an imagery. That when you face great trials and great temptations, the posture that I'm in right now is the posture you ought to be in. Knees before God, mouth open wide, and his word dripping truth into your soul. What keeps me free? Well, his word keeps me free. But then we go a step further. His grace keeps me free, too. Check out with me, if you will, verse 132. He says, turn to me and be gracious to me. After your manner with those who I love your name, or who love your name. Here the psalmist is saying, Lord, look at me. Look at my way. Give me some grace to obey in the same way that you've done in the past with people who follow you now here's the deal all right listen closely because this is just a good teaching principle grace not only saves you from the penalty of sin which was death and hell grace actually empowers you to overcome sin God gives you grace to overcome sin so that when you get over it in victory God gets all the glory and you don't and God has a fountain of grace that he wants to pour in your life 135 is like make your face shine upon your servant teach me your statutes The psalmist understands that freedom from sin and evildoers comes from the Word of God Which instructs us in the truth and the grace of God which empowers us to obey his word So there's this prayer right he's like Lord. I I need to see your love Lord. I need you to keep me free And then here goes the third uh, prayer This morning. I got to go quick y'all saw me take my watch off. That doesn't mean anything whatsoever except it was sticking to my arm Y'all all all right, yeah? Here's the third point. Lord, I want to find my peace in your word. I want to find my peace there. 143, the Bible says, trouble and anguish have come upon me, yet your commandments are my delight. The idea here is trouble and anguish are like these individuals who are dogging at his heels, and they have jumped on his back. He's like, here's trouble, here's anguish, it's all over me, yet at the same time, your word is my delight notice some of the affirming statements of the psalmist 137 righteous are you O Lord and upright are your judgments he's saying you're honest and right you're level and straight with your word verse 138 he says you've commanded your testimonies in the righteousness and exceeding faithfulness And this is an awesome concept listen to the preacher uh, the, the psalmist is saying God you actually tell your word what to do that's why it never returns void verse 139 my zeals consume me because my adversaries have forgotten your word So he's like I have great enthusiasm about the word I can't believe these enemies are getting away with this 140 your word is very pure therefore your servant loves it and the idea here of purity speaks of the fact that the word of God has been tested and it has proven itself to be pure and that's true isn't it this word right here has been tested over uh, centuries and centuries of people trying to attack the uh, validity and the authenticity of this text but does it not still stand is it not still the word of the Lord? Do you know it's still the number one bestseller of all time? Every year it's the number one bestseller the Bible is. Do you know what they've done? They've actually taken the Bible out of the number one bestseller slot because it kept winning every time. They want somebody else to have first place. But can I tell you, whoever's in first place, their book will one day burn up. But Jesus said, not a jot nor tittle of this is going to pass away. It's eternal. I need to close her down, so let me just, let me just bring it to you like this. Y'all, y'all with me? Say yes. We're all going to face trials. I face them. You face them. Nobody's exempt from them. Temptations are going to be loud. Matter of fact, let me see if you can fill in the blank class. See if you were paying attention, all right? Uh, when temptations are the heaviest, let me back it up. I need to go to class. Y'all listening? When trials are the heaviest, temptations are the loudest. When that's true in your life, what must you do? Here's what you do. Check it out, all right? You get on your face before the Lord. Get on your knees before God. You open up his word. Lord, I need you to show me your loyal love. Lord, I need you to give me a word from heaven. Allow his word to drip into your life. And here's the thing. When the word of God goes down into your life and you actually apply it, the Bible says God's peace will overwhelm you. Y'all ain't listening. Hardships and trials, they've come upon me, but Lord, I will not neglect your word. Get along with you, and peace comes. So that means even in the midst of the most difficult trial, the the loudest temptation, you can be walking with unbelievable peace. And here's the thing, God may not take you out of the trial. He may leave you there as an example of his grand peace. So others can see. Hey, uh, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Check this out. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension. Look at me. You know what this is saying? The peace of God. Our comprehension, we can't even figure it out. If we try to figure out the peace of God, it surpasses our ability to understand it. Peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Listen, some of you guys are stressed out. Some of y'all are hard pressed. And the word for you today in the midst of the heavy trial and the loud temptation is get on your face before God. Cry out for him to give you a word. And when his word comes into your life, he'll give you peace like you've never known. That's where it is. Let's bow together. Father, we thank you for your word today and ask that you would help us to apply it. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, nobody's looking around this morning. Just by way of curiosity, when I preach a message like this, I pray in advance for those who will be present, who are undergoing heavy trials and loud temptations, and I've prayed for you. But how many of you, be honest, you've come to church today and you say, you know what, Levi, man, I'm in a trial and the the temptations are loud and... That's happening right now in my life. We had a ton of people in our first and second service raise their hand and say that was them. I'm not going to come get you, but I want to pray for you now. So if that's you, say, Levi, i got a trial going on right now. Man, I need to seek the Lord. Would you just slip a hand up real quick all across the building? Many, many, many hands are going up. Right, right, right. Now here's what I want you to do, all right? If you lifted your hand up, I want you to take both of your hands. I want you to put them together and actually cup them where it's almost like you're waiting for the Lord to fill up your hands with water. got that there let me pray for you father in the name of Jesus you see the hands cupped. they need a word for you from you God they may be experiencing great hardship and stress and anxiety but father I pray in the name of Jesus that you would speak to them through your word that you would pour it into their hands so to speak and then they would just sip it down each time the enemy tries to cause them to worry each time the enemy tries to encourage them to get off course May they sip it down and stand up with peace and walk with you.